as they're moving back to their seats. Let's stand together. Open up with this hymn, Victory in Jesus. Let's sing it together. And I heard an old story how the Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a rash like me. And I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, sing it and victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Peace out me and love me with his redeeming love. He left me and I knew him and all my love is to him. He won me to victory.
So happy birthday to these guys. We've got Harvest Festival Drive for Church of God Home for Children going on. That's going on through the end of the month. If you want to give donations, donations will be accepted. You can just put it on the envelope and put Home for Children or just put trash bags on it. That's exactly what we're buying for them for the next year. And so we'll be sure to put that where it belongs. Uh, there will also be a ladies meeting in the choir room immediately after service next Sunday, February 5th. For those interested in going to a, a women's conference, April 28th through 29th. A few requests that we have today. We have Scott Stone that had a procedure. He needs our prayers today. Eddie Moody also had a, a surgery on um, his shoulder. He needs prayer as well. And also for Mackenzie Gilstrap, she is not feeling well and sick. She needs our prayers as well. There's others that I may not be remembering, but we pray well-being over them as well. Let's open this service for prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and you are well. There is nothing that you are incapable of. There is nothing you are not able to accomplish. And so today, we give this service to you. Today, we submit ourselves to you. Today, we submit those prayer requests that I just spoke over, that you would bring healing to them, that you would bring strength. You know the need. You know the prayer request. Father, you have answered prayers before, as we've already mentioned this morning, even in early dedication time, that you're a God of miracles. And so we're praying for these requests, that you would bless them, be with them, bring healing to their home. Father, we pray for this service today. We are asking you that your Holy Ghost would fill this building. Let your train fill the temple. Let the glory of God show up and show out. Let us all know before we leave this place, let us feel the urgency of the Spirit, that tugging at our heart, that, that, that feel that, that we can't get it from this world. We can't get it from our emotions. It is a literal touch of the Spirit on our life. Touch us from the pulpit to the back door today. Let us know that you have been in this house and let us leave saying it was good that we were there because he was there in the name of Jesus. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever give. Worthy of every breath we could ever
all about him. It's all about him. Hallelujah. What he would do. Yeah. 
Give him praise this morning. It's about Jesus. Give him honor and glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Continue to worship. You may be seated. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise as we enter into his word? Such a powerful, powerful. Thank you, God. Thank you, everybody. I've got a word for you today, folks. I have got a word for you today. I want to speak on a topic entitled, A Generation of Heroes. Whenever our last um, family day was, this, this came to me, but it wasn't the, the right sermon for the time, but it is the right sermon for today. And I knew I wanted to speak on this, but last time I was put on breaks. Sometimes God does that for certain purposes and reasons that I don't know, but um, I was kind of held off. But today, uh, yesterday, I felt the release that this is where, where we're going today. So I thank God for that. A generation of heroes. When we think of the word heroes, <clears throat> we have to think of, well, for me, I'm a word junkie, so I always get the dictionary out. I want to know what it means, what I'm talking about. And when you look up the word hero, it coincides with elements of to be noble or to be grand. Another word that we could all relate with is the word champion. Another definition was a person of distinguished valor, even in the face of danger, that a hero would not be fearful, but a hero would be brave. And the first thing I thought of was David and Goliath. It's a simple child story that we most all know. But we've got a 17-year-old kid that pretty much goes to face a big giant, and the giant that he faces was considered a hero because he was a champion of champions. And whenever we read about Goliath, he said, why don't you send out your champion to fight against me? And for 40 days, he taunted them, as you know the story goes, every day saying, send out somebody that can fight me. Send out somebody that can fight me. And then finally one day, there's this little boy named David. He's about 17 years of, of age, according to history. And he goes out there and he fights that giant. That day, little David became a hero. He defeated the hero. He became the champion of champions because that's what Goliath was. But he stole his title that, way, that day, kind of like a, a UFC fight. He stole and walked away with the belt saying, I'm the champion and I'm the hero. It's amazing that God could use a 17-year-old boy to get this done. 
Because we've got King Saul that's a head taller than everybody else and he's sitting back there shaking in his boots. We've got the brothers of David. All of them wanted to be the king whenever they were anoint, come to, when Samuel came to anoint them and they're standing there waiting to be anointed and I'm, I'm more strong than you are. I'm taller than you are. I'm older, more mature than you are. And Samuel passes up every one of them and says, is there another child? And they say, well, there's one more kid. I got his name's David, but he's out there in the field. You probably don't want David. He's just a ruddy little thing. But when David walked in the room, the Bible said that God told Samuel, you get the, the ram horn of oil and you pour it on his head. This is the king that I have appointed. 17 years old, went out there, showed and proved himself that he could face danger and be a hero even in the middle of a fearful situation. He won that day. But see, the thing that David had that Goliath did not have was he had God on his side. And when you've got God on your side, you can stack all the odds against you on one side, but I promise you, child of God, you are going to prevail when God is at the helm of your ship and he's the one guiding your path. A matter of fact, the Bible said that he looked at him and said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you not in my own strength, not in my own power, not in my own intellect, not in my own ability, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus is his name as he just sang about and that day he destroyed him now I got the looking in my Bible and it, this is simple 101 stuff but I got the looking in my Bible and I said how many young heroes are in the Bible and God pointed out just a few of them for me one of them and you've heard of all of them probably a couple of them were called Joshua and Caleb the story is in Numbers 13. I won't read it for time's sake. I'll just go through it and skim it. Moses sends the 12 to go spy, or 10 spies to spy out the land. And says to them, you go and you see if this land is good. Figure out if they're strong or if they're weak, if they're few, if they're many. Bring back your report, whether it be good, whether it be bad. Let us know what's going on. Now, the Bible says that when they came back, the majority of the adults said this. Now, notice that Joshua and Caleb are both young men. They are not very old at this time. They are young men. They were the youngest of the bunch. The other crowd is they're more mature, they're older, they should know a little better. And so in Numbers 13, 27, they all come back, they have the same message. The message is, there is a good land over there, and the land is flowing with milk and honey. There is fruit, and they bring back these huge, great clusters that they brought from that place. Nevertheless, they said the people that are in that city are strong. He said in that city it is walled about. They are very great. We saw the children of Anak there, which many of you may know are actually giants, much like Goliath. In Numbers 13, verse 30, we go on and read, And there's this young man in the crowd named Caleb that steals the people or calms the people before Moses. And he says these words, he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we will not be able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought back an evil report of the land which they had searched. And they said, the land that we've gone through, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw giants. Listen to me. I have seen some men 
that I didn't want to fight. Some of you are sitting out there today. I wouldn't want to take a swing at you. Byron, I'm looking at you, buddy, right there. I told somebody the other day we stand in church. I was standing about halfway, and Brad Mickler was standing right there, and I looked at Eddie Moody, and I said, if I give you my phone, will you YouTube? And I'm thinking about just hitting him right in the side as hard as I can. He tried to get me to do it, but I backed down. I have seen some men that I didn't want to fight. I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. In Numbers 13, this is what they said. We saw giants, the son of Anak, which came from the giants. And he says, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. So in other words, when we stood beside them, they are really big men, and we're like little grasshoppers on the ground. Now, grasshoppers, when you think of grasshoppers, all right, if a grasshopper is in the wrong place at the wrong time, he is in trouble because one foot, one shoe, even a little fella's shoe, can crush his life. And they said, this is the way we feel in this situation. It can end his little life. If we go in there, that's exactly what they're going to do to us. When the majority felt like grasshoppers, it is these younger men from the younger generation, Joshua and Caleb, that believed the promises of God. They had faith to believe that God could do it. But the older men of air quote faith... They were supposed to be the ones that were encouraging Joshua and Caleb in the face of danger and fear. They were the men that were supposed to say, boy, God brought us a long way. We've been here before. We were in Egypt's bondage. They could tell the story and say, let me tell you, Joshua and Caleb, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Lift up your head because God is about to give you this city. The promised land is yours. Let's go, boys. But instead of doing that, they're freaking out, saying we can't go. And it's these two young people, Joshua and Caleb, that believe that they can actually do it. See, instead, they, they the, the, this older generation, they felt like they needed to be the voice of reason. Now, sometimes we need a voice of reason, right? Has anybody ever needed a voice of reason in your life? I mean, you need somebody that was thinking properly, thinking clearly to come and say, man, you really need to slow your roll here. Think about this thing before you do it. I'm an 18-year-old kid out here talking about, I'm going to go buy me a $70,000 vehicle. He's like, slow your roll, cuz. If you plan on getting married, you got a house to buy, all right? Let's go to the used car dealership. We can get a good used one for about $40,000 nowadays. Some of you got that. Some of you are like me. You haven't bought a car in so long, you have no idea what I'm talking about. These men are the voice of reason. But I want to say something here. The voice of reason isn't always the right voice to listen to. Just because it sounds legit and it sounds like it's the right thing to do, the voice of reason isn't always. Because sometimes things don't make sense. But it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we've got to go into the promised land and fight the giants, even though it doesn't make sense for little grasshoppers to go against these big men of stature. But sometimes we have to go again. Let, let me show you the definition of faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. I'm going to let you say the last two words, not seen. Is everybody still with me? Faith is not 
saying it is easy to have faith when you can see a way out can I get an amen it is easy to have faith when you're looking at down to the end of the tunnel and there's just a little light I mean it don't have to be bright I mean just a little bit of hope to, to raise up faith and say whoa I yeah, God can do it look at that light God's got a breakthrough for me I knew God would show up when you can see a little light it changes everything but that is not faith faith is when it cannot be seen but you still say I know God can do it I don't care what I see or what I don't see there is a God in heaven when you can't see a way out but you still believe God anyhow that is called faith we had a dedication this morning where I've got two parents that they had to have faith in the face of fear and doubt and confusion at times. But they had to continue saying, even though we cannot yet see it, we believe that we serve a God that can do it. And faith that could not be seen was seen on this stage this morning. That is faith. Watch this. When, when, when my kids, and, and they still do it sometimes, but, but when I, I remember especially when they were just little things, a child has faith, right? Everybody with me? A child has faith. A matter of fact, that's why God said that if you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, be like a little child, then you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven, right? Because children have faith in their father. They believe that he can get the job done. I remember they used to come up to me. They could break things and say, Daddy, fix it. We used to do Legos. Man, when they were little and they'd tear that thing up after all that hard work and say, Daddy, fix it. I want to say, Daddy, fix it. And to spank you is what Daddy's going to do. <laughs> Daddy, fix it. There is something in our children. They have faith that we can and if I bless God if I have to stay up all night long and watch 300 tutorials on how to do it on YouTube bless God I shall prevail does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house I know Jesus said you've got to have faith like a child or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven it's an example that I could give you, man. I've pastored several churches, and it's amazing how each church is different. But I've been to some churches that, that had a vision. Oh, man, let's, you know, somebody said, let's build a gymnasium, right? Boy, we need a gymnasium for our young people. I mean, we need to give them a basketball court. We need to give them something to do. If we don't, the world's going to take them. Anybody ever heard them say that? And I heard some of the older people in that same church say, we can't afford it. I heard them say, what if someone loses their job? I heard them say in the middle of debates, well, what if the tides go down? I mean, seriously, this is the type of conversation that we have in our churches that are supposed to have vision that we say the God that we serve owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the potatoes in the hill and we're worried about whether or not God can pay the mortgage. He owns the mortgage. Don't everybody shout at once, I'm about to get anointed. There is something in us that says, but there's this young person in the middle of the crowd, like a little Caleb, that says, let's go up at once. Let's build now. Let's do it now. 
But somebody said, that's illogical thinking, Pastor. But hey, I will have faith over logic any day of the week. If God is on board, then I'm on board. I don't care how crazy it seems. I want to have a crazy kind of faith. God is in the business of using young folks today. And I want to tell you this. Young people, he will turn into revolutionary leaders. Guess who took Moses' place? Anybody want to guess? It's not the guys that were saying, we can't do this. These giants are so huge. We're scared. It's young Joshua that said, let us go up at once. This is our promised land. God said we'd have it way back years ago. We're going to get it. He was the one that became the next revolutionary leader that Israel would have. I flip my Bible to 2 Kings chapter 22. There's this kid. You heard me right. I said it. A kid named Josiah. He becomes the king of Judah. For you that are here on Wednesday nights when I do studies like this and I get ready to preach on Sunday, I'm like, I talked about that already. But it's because when we're in the Old Testament and kings, I went through every king of Judah, every king of Israel. So it just rings a bell. I hope it's the same with you. But we've got this king of Judah. He is the ripe age of eight years old. Do I have an eight-year-old in the house? Eight-year-old. Anybody? Where's my eight-year-old? Stand up, boy. Look at there. Stand up. I want to give you a hand clap. That is Josiah. Do y'all see that fella? Good job, buddy. Eight years old. Some of you are like, where's he at? I don't know what I said. Eight years old. That's King Josiah. Can you believe that? I mean, can y'all see? I mean, what if we, I'm not next week, hey, I'm going to be quitting the church. I ain't pastoring anymore. But here goes Josiah. Get a microphone, boy. This is the mentality. And God does it for, the, for Judah. He gets an eight-year-old boy to become the king. Hold on one minute. One of the old people said, Judge, Josiah's not old enough to do this. He's not mature enough to do that. But let me tell you something right here. If the anointing of the Holy Ghost is on a child, don't you dare get in the way of it. I'm going to say it again. If the anointing is on a child, do not get in the way of it. Samuel, I know you want to anoint the other boys, and they look better, and they look more like a king. But the young boy, David, it is the man for the job. Don't try to get in my way. Ooh, Jesus, help me. I was nine years old in a little congregational holiness church. Does anybody know anything about the congregational holiness? I don't know if we got any more around anymore. I was nine years old, got me a step stool so I could be seen over the top of the pulpit. Patrick, South Carolina, the city I was raised and bred and born in. There was this old pastor that had the nerve to let me preach. And I think he was still in his right mind when he did it, I think. But Brother Matthews is on to be with Jesus. Now God bless his soul. And I still honor that man today. He was one of the, he was the first church that I ever preached in. Nine years old, other than my home church, of course, allowed me to preach. But it was the first outside church that I was ever able to preach at. Now I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. It will be hard for me next Sunday to say we got a nine-year-old coming to preach to us. I'm just being real. But I'm glad that old man had faith in me. 
nine years old, I guess he saw something in me that I couldn't even recognize in myself yet. And I wish he was here today. But that old man gave me that opportunity to preach. And even, listen, even though Josiah's father and his grandfather before him, they were wicked and evil kings, Josiah broke the curse that was on his family and on his kingdom. He broke that curse and he followed God and walked in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I want to say to somebody today, your mama may not be saved. It doesn't matter. Your daddy may not be saved, but you break the curse. You can be different than they are. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My daddy was an alcoholic, but my children don't have to worry about that with me. It is because of God's amazing grace that I broke the curse and the alcohol that had held my family captive for many years. God is in the business of using children to do incredible things in this wicked and ungodly world. I flip my Bible over to the book of Jeremiah, and there's this kid over there named, we call him the weeping prophet. It's because he cried so much for the people of God, had a burden for them. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it starts off like this. The word of the Lord came to me, and this is what he told a young Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now that is a powerful scripture. What God is saying, before you even got outside of the womb, I had already anointed you to do the work of God. If I got any pregnant people in the house, you ought to rub your belly tonight and say, Jesus, anoint them. Give me a John the Baptist that will leap in the womb. I'm talking about when I get to church, I want to feel that baby flipping when the Spirit gets to moving. Just saturate him in your power. Some of you say, you crazy. Well, I just read my Bible and I know what happened there. That God was working even before babies were born. Can I just say it here, abortion's wrong? Can I just say it the way it is? It's wrong. And I'm going to tell you why it's wrong. Because according to WHO, our World Health Organization, there are 73 million induced abortions that happen every single year worldwide. 73 million. Can y'all fathom that? The United States of America this year will probably knock on the door of 1 million babies right here in the United States. But 73 million, that is roughly 200,000 babies that will be killed or murdered Today, not this month, today, 200,000 babies will be butchered. Isn't that crazy? And that's not even counting the ones. These are just induced. These are ones that are actually done in hospitals. This isn't black market stuff. That's not even counting people that find pills and pop them at home or buy them off a counter or a shelf. This is induced planned abortion. The numbers would be staggering if we knew the rest of them. I've often wondered how many prophets, how many preachers have we killed? How many Sunday school teachers or group leaders? How many worship leaders have we killed? Listen, God knew what you would be before you were even born. Now, I just need you to process that for a minute. That God knew it. In Jeremiah 1.6, then I said, now sometimes we blame it on other people. Joshua and Caleb, we can blame it on the elders. They're, they're discouraging them. With David, 
We can blame it on his brothers, on King Saul, because even when he went to fight Goliath, King Saul says, basically, son, are you really sure you want to do this? Right? But Jeremiah, we don't really have an excuse, because he says, ah, oh Lord. He said, behold, I cannot speak, for I am but a child. There's nobody else discouraging him. Do you know that sometimes your biggest enemy is not your neighbor? Or that elder, or that person, even your mom and daddy sometimes that can discourage you. It's not them. No, 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 no. It's not your friend that discourages you. It's not that kid that picks at you on school. At school, sometimes you are your biggest defeat and your biggest problem and your biggest discourager. God just told him, said, son, I anointed you in the womb to preach the gospel. And he says, Lord, I cannot speak for I am but a child. We find that Jeremiah is afraid and shy. Anybody shy in the house? I used to have a lady, it was so funny, I preached at my home church. I was probably a teenager at the time. And this woman came up to me and said, son, you don't ever get nervous. I said, no, ma'am, I don't get nervous because I'm holiness. Whatever that means. They trained me right. The excuse for Jeremiah is, I'm too young, Lord. But in verse 7, the Lord spoke back to him. And he said, don't you say I am a child because I am going to send you and places and whatever I command you to speak, you speak it. Don't be afraid of their faces or shy, for I am with you and I will deliver you. I love verse 9. Then the Lord put his hand on my mouth. It said that I, he touched my mouth. Hallelujah to God. He reminded him and the Lord said, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. God is in the business of taking kids that are, that are scared and shy and intimidated and give them an anointing and the ability to go into their schools with their gifts and speak boldly to their families, to their friends, to their schools. Young folks, today I have you in here. I don't all the time, but I want you to hear it from me. Don't be afraid to sing. Don't be afraid to shout. Don't be afraid to preach. Because God is with you. And you are a young hero that God is raising up in this last day and hour in which we live. Now I need everybody to listen to me good. The world is bold in camps. Sin is what we will call brazen. Homosexuality has been pushed down our throats. Our TVs have tried to normalize it. I mean, my Lord, help me. I can't even watch Andy Griffith with some transgender person doing some kind of nasty split. For a drag queen contest. And I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world are we coming to? I don't want to see some drag queen. I just want to watch old Andy. An actual decent, clean show that I can enjoy. And on the commercial breaks, we've got to repent for our nation because of the brazen sin that they are putting in our face. It is absolutely disgusting. And I understand more and more why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Drugs, 
cigarettes, alcohol. We're trying to make all this stuff cool. These crazy vapes that these kids are getting these days, it's ridiculous. Why are you on this rabbit trail rant? Oh, it's not a rabbit trail. It's in the notes, honey. I'm ready. It ain't no rabbit trail. I know exactly where I'm going. All this mess going around. People think they cool if they vape or if they do this or that and other. They get bad drugs in their system. For some of them, it kills them. I remember reading about probably a year, year and a half ago, that young teenager boy that, that was healthy ended up getting a hold of some bad vape or whatever it was. Went to the doctor, says your lungs are the lungs of an 80-something-year-old man. Just destroyed his lungs. They say it's cool. Oh, everybody ought to do it. Let me tell you something. I am saying it this way. They aren't afraid to shove it down your throat. So it is time for you to be bold about God. There was something I used to be told. If you cannot take it, don't dish it. But there was one rule we had. If you dish it to me, I'm going to dish it back to you. And I want somebody to hear me today. The world can try to dish that mess to me. But I'm going to dish it back to them. And let them know Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. Speak Jesus over that mess. Rebuke it in the name of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody give God praise in this house. Everybody wanting to be cool, wanting to be relevant. I get sick of it. I read the story years ago, heard the story years ago of the young girl that was a virgin. And the girls picked at her all the time because they bragged about their relationships they were having with their boyfriends and whoever else they wanted to get together with. To which one day that young virgin girl got sick of it. She turned around and looked at them and she said, any day I can be like you, but you can never be like me. Just because she wanted to save herself for her husband, they wanted to make her feel bad about it. But the boldness of God came on her, and she said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can never be like me. Oh, God, help us to be bold, children. Be bold. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Listen to me. If you go to school and do it and you get in trouble, call me. I promise you, your pastor will be there talking to your principal immediately. I promise you that. I promise you that. Woo. Let's go. I flip on in my Bible into the New Testament. I get to where the Apostle Paul is. He's Timothy's mentor. Paul sees something in Timothy that undoubtedly Timothy cannot even see in himself. It is in 2 Timothy 1.6, let's read it, that God had given Timothy a prophecy over his life. I'm trying to hurry, but y'all got to give me a few extra minutes today. God had given Timothy a prophecy on his life. This is what it said. This is why, Paul said, this is why I remind you, fan into flames. Has anybody ever had to fan the flame to get the fire going? Some of you older folks know what I'm talking about. They used to have to go by the, the wood burning stoves. You remember those days. You got to give it some air. You fan in the flames the spiritual gift of God that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. What a powerful thought. So he says God is in the business of taking young leaders and using them within the church. Let me close with these last thoughts. It's Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. Let's look at it. Saddest scripture in all the Bible. It absolutely destroys me. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. Did I not give you that? In Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, this is what it said. 
after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. A generation died, another generation arose. We talked on Wednesday night the other week that generations do not get better. Societies do not get better. Society and civilization gets worse. They degradate. And the reason they degradate is because of previous generations. That is why it is so important today that as the church, we learn to become the church. That is why today, focusing on our kids is so vital and it is so important. Because we understand we are raising up another generation. We cannot afford to leave this generation behind. It is our responsibility to this generation to show them the mighty works of the Lord. It is our responsibility to tell them, oh, I'm about to preach, the demonstration and the power of the Holy Ghost. We, oh, Jesus help, Pastor. I'm, I'm about to go Pentecostal. We ought to show our children what it means to have a powerful, old-fashioned, older service. But before you can have a powerful older service, you got to actually come to the older. What have we become? We have left behind a generation. Oh, but you want to talk about the works of God. We want to talk about, oh, when I was a boy, let me tell you this story, Jackson, about what the Lord did. Hogwash with that. Because if we get so, if we get so entangled in the past, we are basically telling a generation that our generation was better than your generation. Our generation had more power of God than your generation. But I want you to know something. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He changes not. The power of God is still here to demonstrate to this generation. He's still alive. Watch this. So we have to show them. I'm so passionate about this, folks. This is my heartbeat. And I'm going to tell you why it is. Because I experienced it. And I want my kids to experience it. I was in church services where God moved in such a great way that we never gave a benediction we couldn't, it would have been inappropriate. Because people were just sitting on the altar. Not doing much. Some crying. Some just sitting in silence looking up to the ceiling. As if they saw another heavenly world. God had done something in them they could not explain. And they had to just sit there and tarry in the presence of God. They couldn't just get up casually from that. They had been in the presence of God. The king of kings had walked in the room. They couldn't just get up and go shake hands and be friends. There was something that had happened in their life. And they knew it. And they just had to sit at the feet of the king and worship him for a little while. I've been there. How many of you have been there? How many of you young people have been there? 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. We can send them to conferences. We can send them to revivals. We can send them to other churches so they can have an experience. And I say shame on us. I don't mind other churches. I don't mind other conferences. I don't mind those experiences. They're wonderful. It'll give them lasting memories. I'm all for it 100%. You got my vote. Hallelujah. Amen. But at the end of the day, all that I'm concerned about is what are they going to learn here? Because another church isn't growing them up. Another conference isn't raising them. It's your babies. It's your grandbabies. It is time for the church to rise up and say it is time for the gift of God to be fanned in the flames again. It is time for Timothy to understand the power of God is for you and your generation too. Because if we fail to show them the power of God, this is what happens in Judges 2, then we will, no ifs, ands, or buts, we will lose another generation to the world that doesn't know anything about the power of God or the power of Pentecost. Joel chapter 2, 28, i got to hurry through this. And it shall come to pass, somebody say that word. After, after word. So that means after what, Joel? Well, let's read Joel 2, 14 through 18. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat, a drink offering to the Lord? Blessed are those which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look at this. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify fast, call a solemn assembly, quit playing your games, get down to business. Gather the people, sanctify your congregation, assemble the elders. Are y'all ready for this? Do you see the way that Joel is laying this thing out? Before it happens in verse 28, this is the afterward. This is the prerequisite. This is what has to happen before we get there. You assemble your elders. You gather your children. You even go and get the babies that are still sucking the breast. The breastfeeders. Bring them to the altar too. Watch this. Let the bridegroom go forth to his chamber, the bride out of her closet. Let the priest, that's the pastor, the ministers of the Lord, let them weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over us. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? See, I want the world to know that God is in this house. I want Six Mile, South Carolina to know that God is in this house. I want everybody around this community and even extending the easily and Wahala and you go as far as your Seneca, wherever you want to go. I want them to know that the Lord is in that house. May they never walk into this church and say, where is their God? May they walk in and know he is in the house because you can feel his spirit in the house. Things happen in the house. Miracles are taking place in the house. Healings, uh, uh, things that are unnatural are happening in the house. Supernatural things are taking place. All right, here we go. Then will the Lord be jealous for this land. Then. Y'all got that? Then. He'll pity his people. Now. Let's read the rest of Joel's end time prophecy and find out what will happen afterwards. Chapter 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterward, after all that, I will pour out my spirit upon what kind of flesh? 
from age zero, sucking the breast, to age 120, if you can make it that long. On the day of Pentecost, they are in one accord. There's 120 people in the upper room. Peter said to them, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. But Peter added something Joel didn't. He said, in the last days, that term is used five different times in the New Testament. And in this passage, it refers to the generation that will see the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Pentecost was just a portion or part of Joel's prophetic word. Because God in these last days, ladies and gentlemen, is going to send this prophecy to every land, to every tongue, to every nation, to every people. And your sons and your daughters. Woo. Can I have a five minute nap and come back and finish? Your sons and your daughters is everybody. That generation of heroes that I am raising up for these last days shall prophesy. Your babies are, oh, I wish some of you would grab this today. Your babies are going to start speaking what thus saith the Lord. It's going to be amazing when little Denver's running around the house, Dylan, and feels like he's got to preach, and he starts saying some things, and you break down in tears saying, man, that's what I've been praying about. Boy, from the mouth of babes, everything's being excited. The anointing of God's coming on our children. Your sons, your daughters are running around speaking what thus saith the Lord. Jeremiah, Timothy, David, all of them, they're anointed even in the womb. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Here it goes. He says, your old men shall dream dreams. Do you see how we never leave a generation behind? If you do that, you have lost your mind. It is not the will of God. It is not the plan of God. While all of this is going on, your old men are going to dream dreams. I love this. It makes me want to shout because it means that your old men that thought their days were numbered, your old men that thought that it was over and they'd never do anything again, all of a sudden they're going to have life in them. The Bible said that whenever Jacob was about to die and he saw Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh, the Bible said that something revived in old Jacob. The old man became young for just a little while. He began to dream dreams and he says, your young men are going to see visions also upon your servants, your handmaids. In the last days I will pour, 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 pour out my spirit. Brother Ken, I'm closing, I promise you I am. I went to school and uh, at a school called John Wesley. It was a Methodist church, wonderful people. Preacher preached kind of like I do. He was just wound up as he could be. But have you ever heard of a relay race? Anybody know what a relay race is? If I'm not mistaken, we used to have the 100 meter. And there was four people that would be on that team. I was a teenager in a state competition for our Christian school, and I remember that. But the rules and the strategy were pretty simple. They gave you, I think back then it was just a wooden stick. They called it a baton, right? About yay long, about that big around, and you carried that stick. And number one would run, and you had a space, a box that you could be in. 
and just say the end of that's where you got to have your baton. You pass that line, you broke the rules. But as you're coming to me, Jackson, I start running with you, right? We run together. I love it. I don't just stand there, all right, come on down here, Lazadaical. Let's get this thing pumping and rolling, praise the Lord. I run with you, son. As fast as you run, I run. And you hand off that baton to me, and I continue to go within that certain zone. Normally, a race would include four people, right? Hey, I need help. Ruby, come here. Will you help me, honey? It's your birthday. Can you help pastor preach today? I need an illustrator. Come on. I need, I need illustration today. We're going to use Miss Ruby, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a couple more people. Well, where you at, Rick? Rick, you can get up here. Rick Masters, you can come up here. And, uh, and uh, uh, Dylan's busy. Uh, who I got this free? Where's Seth? Seth, you around here? You got a baby? One of the babies? They going to have more babies? Praise the Lord. All right, come on. I need you right over there in that corner. Right behind your daughter will be a great place. Right there on the floor. Thank you so much for exerting all this energy. And you, you just come right here down here with Jeff, kind of. That, I, I just need, I just need, that's fine. And then I need you down yonder where, where Beth is. And, and I need, um, I, I need one more person. Um, let, let's go with a, uh, let, let's go with a, um, let's see. Uh, come here, Angela Grace, you can help me. Get on back there. You got to get a distance. Come on, jump, run, hurry. I need you down there, down there, just right down there. Thank you. Now, now yesterday when I was thinking about this thing, I said to myself, see, see there's one thing that happens. If, if you drop the baton, you are disqualified from the race. And, and I'm afraid that what we have done with, with generations in our churches, from one generation to the next, I'm afraid that we have dropped the baton. Don't everybody shout at once. That's why you go in some churches, and the church is literally 70 and above. I don't know where it happened at, but some generation dropped the baton, and it fell behind, and they're nowhere to be found. What you learn from the relay race is simply this, that it takes all four runners to win the race. Not two, not three, all four of them. The prophecy of Joel was not to one generation only. It was said that it would come upon all flesh, all generation, every generation. Now today I thought about it and I said, wait a minute. I said, what in the world? I thought, well, I can go down yonder to Academy and I can get one of those wooden batons. Maybe Academy sells a relay set. Holy Spirit pricked my heart and said, you ain't handing off a wood baton, son. You handing off the Word of God. And I thought, my God Almighty. See, Byron, there's something I see. And it is such a beautiful picture today. Such a beautiful thing. And for some of you folks here today, you can feel what I feel. You've been here. Been here longer than I have. But see... Years and years. I love this lady. As I was walking through this church, we're tearing out pews, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? What are we doing, right? And I love it, and it's beautiful. But as I walked through this place, all I could think about was her generation. 
because I understand the dynamics of a team and I understand that if I leave one generation behind, I am a failure. If I leave one generation behind, the dynamics of what makes a successful growing church and a church thrive, I have failed. That's why some churches can't make it and why they aren't successful. Because they take generations, especially their older ones, and they just throw them out with the baby in the dishwasher. And say, bless God, we're moving forward with or without you. That's the wrong attitude to have. I'm telling you that right now. It's wrong. You will not make it without that generation. Do you hear me, young people? Do you hear me, kids, that some of you, you don't, some of you ain't even been in church in a while. You may not even know who this lady is. But this lady right here went across that street when they didn't have air conditioner and they didn't have pews. Can I have just a few minutes to preach? I know I've been over today. Can I preach? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I got five more minutes. She went across that road with a group of people and they set up trees over them just to protect themselves from the element to have church. And then they created this church called the Gap Hill Church of God. See, what happens, we not only pass on the word of God, Miss Ruby, but you pass on to us the things that you have heard. You pass on to us the things that you have seen. Because my eyes have not seen them. I wasn't here. I wasn't alive. But you saw it. And so what did her generation do? What are you going to do with the baton, right? You're going to hold it? This is our church, right? We ain't giving this to nobody. No. They've done it beautifully. You see that guy? That's who you need to give it to. That's the next generation. And she handed it off. You can go sit down. I don't want to make you stand this long. She handed it off to the next generation. And now we've got this wonderful, wonderful teacher. Man, this guy's good. I'm telling you, he brags on y'all guys all the time that come to his group meetings on Sunday. This guy's good. I promise you. Him and Harry, they do a great job in there. Now, I talk to this guy sometime, and you tell me stories. But the reason you can tell me stories is because somebody handed you that baton. And they said, Rick, let me tell you what happened. Probably your daddy, probably your mama, who were also great patriarch, matriarchs of the faith, but they handed it off and they said, son, let me tell you. And that's why it means so much to you. Because all of a sudden, the responsibility of a generation before him, because many of them today, if I had Ruby up here, I could ask her, where are they? And she would look around this church, and many of them are dead and gone. Matter of fact, I had the honor and privilege of doing some of their services. But they're not here today. But thank God they left behind some words from the Lord and said, Rick, you take this. But as your generation ages, and as you get older, and you're still a young man, and you're still vibrant, and you can still probably outwork me. But your eyesight sometimes, Rick. You know, I mean, you have to have cataract. You know how it is. So we start making the journey. And we see another generation. We say, generation, just hold on a little longer. 
This church has been prayed over and wept over. These altars have seen some of the most powerful miracles. Hey, I remember. You don't remember, but I remember when they built this church, Seth. As a matter of fact, you weren't even born. But he remembers. And so what he's going to do is he's going to bring that baton. And he's going to say to your generation, thank you, Seth. Another generation. And now I've got this group. I got these young, strong men. I picked up something from the C-Square. Listen, I'm 39 years old. That's not too old, is it? I went to C-Square the other day. We've been working over here. I picked up one of them heavy desks for the C-Square class. And as I picked it up, and Brian's sitting there, and we're probably both a couple shades of red, just working hard. We're walking up the steps. I said, my Lord, I should have made Chevy and, and these other boys do this. Let Seth handle it. They're younger than we are, right? It's been handed off to you, my friend. I'm going to tell you something. This generation is the generation that if you go in churches, these next two generations are gone. It is so sad that we walk in our churches, church of God, churches of God, and we walk in there, and I can't even find a couple. Oh, there's one married couple. They tried to do all the work for the church. They showed up a couple months ago, and we really love them, but they're going to work them to death, and they're going to leave. I got a couple, maybe two. This generation over here, because I ain't got none of them, I don't have any of them. But you see what we're doing in our churches? God, show mercy. And the baton fell a long time ago, way back there where Rick Masters was. And we're waiting on God to do something. But thank God here, we've got that group. And we've got a good group of them. When you look around this church, they're all around here. They're singing on stage today. They're in the church working and laboring. And they're doing what I like better than anything. They're having babies. Keep doing it, praise God. May your quiver be full of bows today. Seth, there's a responsibility because your kids are coming up and my kids are coming up. And so Seth, even in this generation, they go to the younger. And they, that was my mama's Bible right there, by the way. Powerful Bible. And they hand it to my baby. Thank you, Seth. And they hand it to my baby. And they hand it to all these young kids. And they look at them and they say, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your sons and your daughters are going to know what it is to have a move of the Holy Spirit. This thing did not die with the apostles. This thing did not die with Ruby Knight's generation. It did not die with Rick Master's generation. It will not die with Seth Monroe's generation. And by the grace of God, it will not die with Anza Grace's generation. I'm telling you, God is raising up a group of people, a group of kids, a generation that are going to walk in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to worry about your church. It's in good.